0: And welcome to Tuesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. Mike here. Thanks for hanging out with us. So much to get to today. The day starts pretty strong. The day starts with a a good indicator that inflation is slowing down. It's still high. It's still over 7% year over year. But it got cool, cooled down a little bit. And the stock market has taken off like a rocket early this morning. Let's see if it holds throughout the day. Uh, Sam Bankman Freed, SBF, to the cool kids, the guy behind that uh, horrible financial disaster, FTX, the uh, cryptocurrency trading scam. Uh, he's, um, he's been arrested. He's probably going to head back to the United States and uh, face trial here. And I just heard an interesting story that uh, he's lucky if he gets out of the Bahamas. He's actually fortunate if he gets extradited to America because the big prison in the Bahamas, Fox Hill Prison, is apparently a death sentence. It's like the, the worst place you could be. So SBF is probably thanking his lucky stars, happy to be coming here and facing prosecution here. And uh, AOC's ticked off. Can you imagine? AOC and SBF. Now we're just talking about people in their initials. AOC's mad because she's not going to get a chance to grill him. Is she turned on by him or something? It's kind of freaky. He's kind of a weird, weird dude all around. But he reminds me of AOC's boyfriend. And maybe she thought it'd be somebody she could uh, order around, like she orders her boyfriend Riley around. Just thinking. All right, we're um, we're we're going to cover some of the news, but we're also going to talk to Jim Stovall, our buddy Jim Stovall, with his winner's wisdom. And uh, you're going to want to hear this because Jim has a new book out, Words That Shaped Our World, and it's terrific. And it's a great stocking stuffer. Words That Shaped Our World, you can read it in a day, maybe two days if you're slow. And it makes you feel good when you can say, hey, I read a book this week. So, uh, stay tuned for that. We'll get into that. And if I have time, I'm going to read you something that relates to Britney Griner and the release of Britney Griner, the trade we made for the uh, arms dealer who's already out taking a victory lap all around Russia. He's appearing on uh, talk shows and getting heroes welcome. Meanwhile, Brittany Griner is is recovering. She spent nine months in a Soviet work camp. And yesterday, they released a video of her dunking a basketball. And I I actually was kind of impressed. I thought if I were locked up for eight or nine months in a a Russian prison camp, I don't think I'd have any of the physical skills I had when I walked in. It would be a a horrible situation. So uh, good for you, Brittany. Let's hope you remember... To stand for the anthem next time you hear it. I'm glad you can dunk and everything, but uh, that whole anthem thing still in people's minds. We don't forget that kind of thing easily. Remember who got you home. Uh, yesterday was also the uh, fifth load of documents released by Elon Musk through Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss reported on what she had seen in the document dump that proved Twitter really changed the rules in order to ban Donald Trump. Leading up to the banning of Donald Trump, the, uh, the team that was charged with reviewing these alleged violations said, no, he hasn't uh, crossed the line. He doesn't deserve it. But there was such a screaming outcry from people that worked at Twitter They demanded orange man bad must be banned, and of course he was banned. But now we see that there were employees at Twitter who said, no, this is a horrible thing. This is a bad idea. One of them in China even quoted saying, look, I'm here in China. I see how awful this is. This is not how you deal with speech you don't like. But here we are. So we'll get into that. And speaking of Elon Musk... Uh, Dave Chappelle was doing a comedy show, big show, in uh, San Francisco over the weekend, and Elon Musk was there, and he vi- invited Elon onto the stage, and it didn't exactly go well for Elon Musk. But let's think about it. San Francisco, not exactly friendly to Elon Musk. Here's what happened.
1: Make some noise for the richest man in the world.
0: a Dave Chappelle crowd, and they like Dave, but they don't like Elon. You can hear him booing. It's pretty loud.
1: Cheers and boos, I think.
0: Yeah, cheers and boos. Cheers and boos. Uh, Dave Chappelle is such a comedic genius though, turned it into a moment. Turned it into a viral moment. The video from the cell phones is pretty much everywhere. It went on for four minutes. I had to cut out all the F-bombs and the N-bombs from Dave Chappelle, but there's some pretty funny stuff here.
1: Cheers and booze, I see.
0: Yep, cheers and booze. Mostly booze. A lot of booze. Sounds like some of the people you fired are in the audience. (laughs) It's a good line. It's a very good line. (laughs) Sounds like some of the people you fired are in the audience. They probably were. There were like 17,000 people there. It was a huge event. A huge event. And Chappelle knows when he's got a moment. And he's willing to let it breathe and try and find the comedy gold within it.
1: I wouldn't miss
2: this opportunity.
0: The first comedy club on Mars, that should be mine. A deal is a deal, Musk. A deal is a deal, Musk. First comedy club on Mars should be mine. I love it. Uh, Elon looked uncomfortable, but I think he's used to these situations. He's been bombarded by hate from people who don't agree with him, wanting to hear all sides, so he's comfortable with it. But there was a very interesting exchange about the discomfort of being booed for that long. Dave, what should I say? Don't say
1: nothing. Okay, and i will only spoil the moment.
2: Did you hear that
1: sound, Elon? That's sound of
0: pending I love it. Elon says, what can I say? And Dave says, don't say nothing. Just it'll spoil the moment. He's very good at understanding disruption and how to take advantage of uncomfortable situations and maximize them. A great moment. <laughs> and I think Elon loved it too. People say, but they booed him for like four minutes. He doesn't care. He's still the world's richest man. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Saturday Night Live has not been funny for a long, long time. It's been very political and Saturday Night Live apparently is getting the message that uh, politicizing comedy risks destroying your audience. You risk cutting out at least half of your audience and they don't seem to care they are trying to do what stephen what's his name uh, colbert did on cbs colbert was third in the late night ratings until he went all anti-trump and it yielded a big bump in ratings so maybe snl was trying to do that but they didn't really have the same success snl has been political 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 as long as it's been anti-trump or anti-conservative now for a couple of years. But I noticed something this week. They seem to have gone away from that. Could it be they realize that conservatives like to laugh too? And that we're laughing at Joe Biden and the Democrats? And maybe they should joke about that? They apparently did. I watched the weekend update segment on SNL. Well, I watched the whole thing, but I watched it the next day. So I can cut out the commercials and I can bounce past the musical performances. And it takes about 40 minutes to watch an hour and a half show. And in that 40 minutes, I actually found some funny stuff. Especially in the opening of the weekend update segment, the one that used to make fun of the news. And uh, you go back to people like, like um, Norm McDonald, the late Norm McDonald, who was a great weekend update anchor. Colin Quinn, and of course, the standard, Dennis Miller. He was the best, in my opinion. A lot of people say, no, it was Chevy Chase. No, 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 it was Dennis Miller. But um, this uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che, interesting combo. They opened up
3: with a Biden joke? Really? Yeah, they did. Well, it was shaping up to be a good week for Joe Biden. He got Brittany Griner back. Uh, He kept marriage gay, and he's only got... (laughs) He's only got 14 more sleeps until Santa. I love the fact that they
0: mocked Joe Biden's brain problem. I thought that was incredible. That was excellent. But they didn't stop
3: there. But then, just when he thought he had it all under control, Kirsten Cinema said, Hold my wig. <laughs> Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema, seen here, realizing that someone is actually waving to the person behind her. <laughs> Announced that she is leaving the Democratic Party and is registering as an independent, explains Cinema. Pay attention to me.
0: <laughs> it's a great, great joke. That's a joke that actually analyzed the situation correctly. Kirsten Cinema, up for reelection in two years and sensing a backlash from her own party, makes a political decision that ultimately was meant to try and give her attention. And so she can run as an independent who still caucuses with them. There was more, some of it attacking the left, some of it attacking the right.
3: But I love the way they covered the Brittany Griner trade. WNBA star Brittany Griner was freed from prison in exchange for Russian arms dealer Victor Boot. It's actually a great trade because Brut was only averaging five points and two rebounds a game. See, that's a joke everybody can appreciate.
0: Never mind the, the trade was a bad deal and uh, a bad guy was let out of a uh, Russian, an American prison and sent home to Russia. while an American, too, are still currently sitting in Russian prisons, Whalen and Fogel. Let's get them home. Let's get it done come on Republicans Michael Che the other half of the Weekend Update team uh, couldn't resist the chance the opportunity to slam Herschel Walker
1: Raphael Warnock defeated Herschel Walker in Georgia's Senate runoff race you know but I don't think this is the last you'll hear from Herschel Walker I mean unless he's your biological father
0: <laughs> gotta admit that's uh, that's a fair joke that is a fair joke Herschel Walker had some problems with, uh, with kids he didn't talk about, who then popped up during the uh, campaign, and I believe it probably hurt him. Did it cost him a seat? We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, the, um, the equal opportunity attacks, though, continued. As um, Michael Che actually went after Kamala Harris.
1: With Raphael Warnock's win, Democrats in the Senate will no longer have to rely on Vice President Harris for tie-breaking votes. Harris can now focus on her main priority, waiting for a worse bike accident.
0: And they showed a picture of Joe Biden falling off his bike, and that's true. She is lingering out there waiting for something to happen with Joe Biden. And maybe it's about to happen. I don't know, Joey. I'll
1: I'll 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 develop some disease and say I have to resign.
0: There it is. That might happen. Uh, they wrapped up the weekend update with a um, a joke that uh, went after Republicans and conservatives, and obviously placed the race card. And this was in relation to the Supreme Court case going on where a religious woman doesn't want to make a cake. I'm sorry, not a cake, a website. The cake was a previous case. A website for a lesbian wedding. She says it violates her religious beliefs, and that's her right. And so the uh, the folks at SNL took a shot at that by slamming a Supreme Court justice.
3: And I think quite unfairly. During during oral arguments in the case, Justice Samuel Alito raised the hypothetical, could a black department store Santa be forced to take a picture with a child dressed in a Klan robe? Alito added that he'd love an answer before he takes his grandkids to the mall next week. Yeah,
0: so the implication there, the insinuation there is that Samuel Alito has racist grandchildren, and that would make him a racist as well. That's how they do it. That's how the Democrats do it. It's, it's um, at least showing signs of uh, bipartisan attacks with attacks on Biden and Kamala. So at least we got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, the other story that I, I think is not getting nearly enough attention. It's what's happening on the border. And we have been told to watch out for what's going to happen on the border when the Title 42 is allowed to expire. We've been told that there's going to be a massive rush of people crushing through whatever remaining elements of border security are there. And now we learned over the weekend it's 16,000 people over the weekend, two days, 8,000 people a day in one, town alone, a thousand people. And in 2018, Obama's former Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson, said that a thousand people crossing in a month was a problem. We've got that happening in a day now. He said a thousand people a month was, was a crisis. That's happening every day. And let's talk about the fentanyl. Let's talk about the drugs. All of that is a problem, but this administration isn't going to do anything about it. I wonder what is going to be the straw that will break the camel's back on the border. Just speculating. What's it going to take? I don't know. Got to pray for our country. Pray for the people who protect that border, too. This year, 14 people who guard that border have committed suicide. 14. We've lost 14 by their own hand because it's just too much. And we've also weakened our defenses in the air as we have taken the um, air marshals off the planes. It used to be about one out of every 10 planes had an air marshal, an armed, plainclothes cop basically in the air, trained to take over if a situation went bad. Well, they took those people off the planes and put them on the border. They're processing people illegally coming into the country. So now only one out of 100 planes has an air marshal. Seems like an awful idea, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. There was another story yesterday that uh, caught my attention. And it was uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, cringe, getting mad at uh, Elon Musk, for calling out Dr. Fauci, for mocking Dr. Fauci and talk about prosecuting Dr. Fauci. And he did so by saying, my pronouns are prosecute slash Fauci. And a lot of us loved it because Fauci we think is deeply involved. Now, let me explain to you how, how we think Dr. Fauci is involved in some really bad behavior. And the only way we're gonna find out the real answer is if Fauci actually comes in and testifies under oath and somebody like Jim Jordan is allowed to grill him like a cheese sandwich. Jim Jordan got a hold of Dr. Fauci's emails, the emails from the early part of 2020. Let's go back almost three years ago. This was uh, in the very early days of the pandemic. We hadn't even called it a pandemic. We had just seen this respiratory virus hitting our country. And people didn't really know what to expect. And there were all kinds of rumors. Could it have been man-made, engineered by China? Did it come from somebody eating bat soup or pangolin? pangolin? How, how did this get here? And what is it going to do? And now, almost three years later, with five-plus million dead, more than a million in America, dying from or with COVID, we want answers. And we need answers, and we deserve answers. And the guy I trust to go after them is Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan held a hearing. Gosh, it's almost a year and a half ago now. Jim Jordan held a hearing where he went through Dr. Fauci's emails from, um, from 2020, very early 2020. And those emails tell a story. So let's go through them. This is why Fauci needs to be brought in. And I agree with Musk. If necessary, prosecute the guy. Jordan has it nailed here.
2: Friday, January 31st, 2020 at 10.32 PM, Dr. Fauci gets an email from Christian Anderson. Christian Anderson's a British researcher who's received numerous grants from NIH. Two really important sentences are in that email. Two sentences that get Dr. Fauci's attention. The first is this, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features look engineered. Again, this is January 31st, 2020. Second sentence, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Email arrives 1032 to Dr. Fauci on January 31st, 2020.
0: Yeah, January 31st, 2020. Late at night. Fauci gets the email. Fauci reads the email. Probably read it three or four times and went, holy macaroni. The next email start to get interesting.
2: Two hours later at 1229 in the morning, Dr. Fauci sends an email to his top deputy, Mr. Hugh Oshenkloss. Guy has worked for Fauci for 15 years, part of his inner circle. Sends it, subject line says, important in all capital letters. He attaches a paper on gain-of-function research written by Dr. Barrick and Dr. Xi. Dr. Xi, of course, is the so-called bat lady, bat woman, the lady who does research in the Wuhan China lab. This email, Dr. Fauci says, again, to his top deputy, it is essential that we speak this a.m., Keep your cell phone on. Read this paper. You will have tasks to do today that must be done. Notice the intensity. Notice the focus. I mean, this is the house is on fire email here.
0: So Fauci responds to the news that this uh, this virus out of Wuhan looks man-made by writing to his top deputy, saying, "We have a lot to do. Read this paper. Get well versed in this." And then he sends out another email. Remember, this is overnight. This is now in the wee hours of the morning of early February, February 1st, just hours after Fauci got the news, hey,
2: we think this virus is man-made. Now, two hours after that, at 2.48 in the morning, Dr. Fauci's busy this morning. 12.29, that email he sent to Dr. Austin Klaus his top deputy, two hours later at 2.48 in the morning, he sends another email, this one to Robert Kadlec, assistant HHS secretary, Trump appointee, not part of his inner circle, and he attaches a different article to this email, one that says the virus came from an animal that downplays any lab leak theory. Now, again, notice the tone of this one. Bob, this just came out today. Gives a balanced view, best, Tony. I mean, totally different from the previous. This is one like, oh, if you get a chance, read this, gives a balanced view. So the tone is different, but also that sentence gives a balanced view. It's not true either. That's just not accurate. This article downplays, as I said, the lab leak theory emphasizes evolutionary cause to the virus.
0: So what Fauci's doing is uh, CYA. He's covering his butt. And meanwhile, he has his minions getting together together to put together an attack on anyone who would say this is man-made because he knows that comes back to gain-of-function research. Listen to what Fauci did next.
2: Later that same morning at 1147 a.m., Dr. Fauci's deputy gets back to him. I just want to read you this whole email. The paper you sent me, the one he sent him on that was written by the virologist from Wuhan, China, and Dr. Barrick. The paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause, but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means, since Emily, someone else who works for Dr. Fauci, is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, which of course is the oversight body that's supposed to approve any grant dollars going for gain-of-function research. No coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework, Final sentence. She will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. She will try to determine if our fingerprints are on any of this.
0: Hmm. So all they're worried about, they're not worried about a deadly virus getting out there. They're worried about getting blamed for it because they think they might have some culpability here. It's really disturbing and it just gets more disturbing.
2: All these emails happen in 13 hours. So 13 hours after Dr. Fauci gets the initial email from Christian Anderson saying, looks like this virus is engineered, not consistent with evolutionary theory. Dr. Fauci knows some important facts. First, Dr. Fauci knows there's a lethal virus on the loose that started in Wuhan, China. Mm -hmm. Second, he knows the American taxpayers have funded gain of function research in Wuhan, China. Third, he knows that the research grant didn't go through the required oversight board, Fourth, he knows the virus, quote, looks engineered and, quote, not consistent with evolutionary theory. And finally, fifth, Dr. Fauci knows he may have ties to this work in China. His fingerprints, in fact, may be on this. It
0: seems to me like Fauci doesn't just think. He knows his fingerprints are on it. So he starts circling the wagons.
2: So what does Dr. Fauci do next? After he says, oh, whatever, what does he do next? He organizes a conference call for later that same day. I mean, this is the busiest 24 hours I think I've ever seen. He organizes a conference call, 12 people on the call, Dr. Fauci and 11 virologists from around the world, virologists who've gotten millions of American tax dollars over the past several years. Now look at this list. Here's the list of people. There's only two Americans on the list, Tony Fauci and one other. Most of them are from around the world, as I said. I think the first thing you notice is who's not on the call, who's not on the list. Is Dr. Cadlick on the list, the guy he sent the email to at three in the morning? Is Dr. Redfield the head of CDC? Dr. Girard, who's with us today, Assistant Secretary at HHS at the time? Dr. Burks, the lady who's soon to be COVID response coordinator? In fact, there's no one from the government on the call except Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci and 11 other individuals who got a bunch of American tax dollars over the years. What happened on the conference call? The short answer is we don't know. We don't know what they talked about. I mean, I, got a, I think we've got a good idea. We don't know for sure. But we do know what happened four days later. Four days later, February 4th, 2020, Christian Anderson, the guy who started it all, who said the virus looks engineered, Christian Anderson said this four days later, the, crack, the quote, the crackpot theories going around at the moment relate to this virus being somehow engineered. That is demonstrably false, close quote. What? In four days, this guy went from this looks engineered to now that's demonstrably false. Four days he went from this isn't consistent with evolutionary theory. Now we know it's totally evolutionary. But it gets even better. It gets even better. Mr. Anderson and three of the other people on this call write an article a few weeks later that says COVID is not a laboratory construct.
0: How about that? We go from a respected, and I'm using air quotes with my fingers, virologists reaching out to Anthony Fauci saying dude this virus out of China it's not naturally occurring this is weaponized this is some kind of man-made thing to the guy saying oh no uh, this is this is totally natural anyone who dares say anything else well you're obviously a conspiracy theorist it gets worse Fauci makes it even worse. And this is why I do hope Fauci ends up in hearings and possibly prosecuted for what he has likely done.
2: And while they're writing that article, there's an email from March 6th where Mr. Anderson offers to let Dr. Fauci edit the article before it's published. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. When the article is published, Dr. Fauci... Cites it at a White House press conference when he is asked by a reporter about the origin of the virus. Cites the very article he put in motion on the conference call and he was allowed to edit. At the White House, where he's supposed to be giving the American people the truth, he references an article that he manufactured. Now, maybe I'm wrong about all this. Maybe it didn't work out this way. I think I'm right. Maybe it didn't work out this way. But it would have been nice, Mr. Chairman, if Dr. Fauci would come today and answer our questions. He could have come here and defend himself, but he didn't have the courage to do it. And you know else who wouldn't come? Remember that email about the P3 framework? We invited Dr. Hassel to come, too. He's the individual who chairs that oversight board. We invited him to come today, too, and he wouldn't come.
0: Fauci didn't show up. The guy who was responsible for allowing this to happen without oversight didn't show up. Some of the requests for what were in the emails between all of the people on the conference call were just blacked out so nobody can know what happened. Trust me, it's not irresponsible to be asking for Dr. Fauci to testify and possibly face prosecution. We know what likely happened here. It wasn't a naturally occurring virus, and it's likely that your tax dollars and my tax dollars had a big part in making it happen. It's just awful, and we have to keep pushing. I just hope we have the strength among the Republican Party when we take over in January to do just that. So pay attention. I'll be keeping an eye on that myself. Uh, there aren't too many other big stories. We talked about Musk in the latest dump of documents. We talked about FTX as the hearing is beginning in D.C. and uh, whether or not we'll ever hear from Sam Bankman Freed. I know a lot of people are worried about him uh, committing suicide in a prison cell. We'll we'll see on that. Uh, there are some other stories we'll have to get to. Uh, the um, Ukraine war is still not going well for Vladimir Putin, so he's going to skip his usual massive press conference that he does. Uh, so uh, we won't get that fun to have. Uh, Sam uh, Brinkman, or Brinkton, whatever his name was, the guy that wears the women's heels, shaved his head, and wears the bright red lipstick and his gender fluid, and had a job in the Biden administration, a big job in the Biden, he doesn't have that anymore. The luggage stealer, he's done. He's out. And I hope they fired him. I don't see it as a resignation. I just hear he's out. So I hope he's out. Uh, the New York Times secures its place in uh, the non-serious journalist category as it has named John Fetterman to its list of the most stylish people of 2022. The most stylish people of 2022. God help them. Yeah, we're going to take you seriously after that. And uh, later this week, we're going to talk to Lauren Fix, the car coach, because there is a new test that has been revealed of small SUVs, all the small SUVs. And they seem to be getting smaller and smaller every day uh, that says most of them aren't passing the test. So we'll have to dive into that when we get Lauren Fix, the car coach here. And uh, another sign that the world is mad. The Cambridge Dictionary has just put a new definition of woman in its books. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, a woman is an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. No. No, I'm sorry. That's Bravo Sierra. This uh, This is pretend. This is a crazy world. I'm taking a quick break. When we get back, Jim Stovall. Jim Stovall, the guy we talk to about inspiration and winner's wisdom every week. Jim's got a new book out, Words That Shaped Our World. We got to talk about it next on the Pure Opelka podcast. One of my favorite moments every week is when I get the opportunity to pick the brain of Jim Stovall. Jim is uh, a true Renaissance man, a guy who has done so much in his life, uh, both in the area of innovation with the Narrative Television Network that helps blind people like Jim appreciate movies and TV, to authoring books and having movies made from those books and appearing in those movies, and great philanthropy and charity work that Jim Stovall does in his life. And each week we talk about one of Jim's projects, the Winner's Wisdom column that appears in papers all over the country. And if you go to jimstovel.com, you'll know what I'm talking about because you'll be able to sign up for it and it'll come in your email box and you'll be then tied in like I am. And then you get to hang out when I hang out with Jim. Jim, I am very excited about this week because we're not exactly talking about the column this week, but we are, right?
1: Yeah, it's uh, several times each year I give uh, literary birth to a new book. and. uh <laughs> Come, coming out this week is uh, uh, the new title. It's called "Words That Shaped Our World" and fifty great quotes. Uh, and uh, and I just I didn't want to do just another quote book. I I there's so many of those that are great, but with with the help of an amazing researcher, Kathy Johnson, up in Minneapolis, uh, you know, we put together a book. Uh, you know, the quote, but who said it, who are they, what was going on in the world when they said it, and then probably most importantly, what does it mean to you and me today? And But I think you've got to understand you know, the perspective when they said it. One of my favorite quotes in the book is from one of my favorite American authors, uh, uh, Louis L'Amour, who said, no one can be judged except against the backdrop of the time and place in which they lived. So you know, whether it's a quote from Socrates or Franklin uh, Roosevelt or anybody else, you know, you, you have to understand when they said it and why they said it. So that that's kind of what we're doing this week.
0: And I, I really enjoyed it. And I will tell people, if you are making resolutions for the new year, and if one of them says, you know, I got to read more, you have to get yourself back into reading if you've fallen off the reading bus. And an easy way to do it, is to grab a book like Jim Stovall's, Words That Shaped Our World. Because you pick this up and you check it out and you open up uh, the, the table of contents and you see the names of the people that are quoted here and then the stories that follow. And you can, you can grab one of them and then you'll read another and another and another. And before you know it, you finish this book, you can do it in, in a day or or two comfortably, and then you pat yourself on the back and said, all right, I'm back reading again. And Jim, I have to tell you, um, there are several chapters in the book that I I just absolutely love because I'm learning stuff about people that I thought I knew. For example, chapter 40, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra was uh, a part of my life as a sports fan forever. And he lived around the corner from me when I moved to New Jersey. And I I tried to meet Yogi Berra forever and ever and ever, because I always wanted to ask him, hey, how'd you get that name? And he lived in Montclair, and I never met him. I never got the chance. So in this book, uh, Yogi Berra, Chapter 40, It Ain't Over Till It's Over, I love the story of how Yogi Berra got his name, Jim. This is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I, until... uh uh, the, my uh, intrepid co-author Kathy found this. I always thought it was from the cartoon or something. Yeah, you know? and and um, and no they uh, <laughs> uh, someone said he kind of looked like a yogi or a Buddha or something sitting there, and it just stuck with him, you know. And uh, and he was one of the truly, truly great characters, you know of of. Uh, of the 20th century
0: I absolutely mean, a war yeah. hero guy had a purple heart and then came back yeah. to be a a huge star in baseball and a media personality and and uh, i love about yogi Berra what we and i as a guy who's spent his time in oklahoma a, as well as traveling the world you've probably seen this a lot with some of the characters uh, in your in your uh, life there in oklahoma they sound like their country bumpkins, but they're the smartest yeah. people in business.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, uh, you know, not to go political, but I remember hearing Jimmy Carter the first time, and he sounded like Gomer Pyle. And then you <laughs> realize, in addition to his business and political pursuit, the man was a nuclear physicist. I mean, this is you know, this is this is not a a, a stupid man. And Yogi, one of the things I always love, Joe Garagiola. Uh, from the Today Show, and, and he used to be a major league player. He was a catcher like Yogi, and both of them grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, of all places. People think Yogi's from the coast. He grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. And, but Joe used to say, you know, most guys, you know, if you play in high school or, or beyond, you're the best guy on your block in the, in the whole neighborhood, you know. And he said, I played in the major leagues. And I was not the best catcher on my block because Yogi lived down the street, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and it was just fascinating. And the other guy that lived right around the corner from them—they were all three. It was uh, Jack Buck, the great yeah. uh, sports announcer. So it's just—it's just fascinating. But had we've had a lot of fun with this, and the initial response to this new book was so good, uh, we we went—we were already about halfway through writing the second volume of this, and. You know, when when I got into it and I realized, okay, we're going to get the best quotes ever, and yeah, uh, maybe not, and there's just hundreds and hundreds more, and you find out, uh, you know, that there's just a whole lot more than uh, that, that uh, you know, it reminds me of that old Carson, Ed McMahon bit where he would come out with a news story, you know, seven things on this list, and then Ed would go into his routine. You know, it's amazing how they could get everything in that one list. There's nothing <laughs> left out, you know. And then they would go off and do a bit. Well, you know, writing the 50 great quotes of all time let me know that, uh, okay, we haven't even scratched the surface here. But, uh, but uh, a lot of fun.
0: It's a lot of fun to read as a consumer, too. There is a uh, Jim always talks uh, with me. Jim Stovall, our guest, always talks with me about how important it is to have that group around you that you can talk honestly with one another. And we have a small group that exchanges Christmas gifts every year, but it's always a book and a bottle of wine. And this year I had already picked out the wine and I didn't know the book. I just ordered the copies of this book, Jim, and this is one of those that I would encourage people, Words That Shaped Our World, Jim Stovall and Kathy Johnson. Get this, share it. It is uh, inspirational and it's it's easy to read, but it's also something that is addictive to read. My friend, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you solved one of my gift-giving dilemmas with this wonderful book.
1: Well, and if any of your uh, cohorts don't like it, just double up on the wine and it reads better.
0: <laughs> I, I might start there as well at yeah. the beginning. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. Everybody go to JimStovel.com, sign up, get the email in your inbox, and uh, we'll do it again next week before Christmas.
1: Hey, I will look forward to it and we will kick the holidays off right.